Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagun. You will not get there on a road bike brought to you by Komoot. How you doing people? Here it's really really good and actually I can tell you that last week was overwhelming. Really good and I can't really explain you how happy I was of receiving all the messages from everybody out there telling me how happy they are on having me again for the fourth season of the Brunvagun as well as I'm super happy of having Komoot together with me partnering for this season of the Brunwagon. It's everything really, really awesome. Nothing else than that. And just remember, if you want to get your free code, sorry, your code for your free region on Komoot, just go on komoot.com slash G, like Greenland, and just write Broom as a code. And then you will get an extra geo area all for you all free and you can start planning and being happy with that i'm not being riding outside so much probably because i don't know i'm a bit too scared of bad weather and wet weather especially in this period but i can tell you that so for you today is tuesday should be tuesday this episode is gonna go live on tuesday and actually when this episode is gonna go live probably you will see me on riding the one of the most famous climbs little hills that is here in Zurich and I'm talking about the Utriberg because I really really need to do that I've not been out for a lot of time now and I think that going up to the Utriberg tomorrow hopefully with some dry weather would be something that is gonna make my day just go to Komoot just look for Brunwagen or just go to komoot.com slash users slash Brunwagen and you will see if on Tuesday I was out with my gravel bike up to the Utrecht. Then another couple of things that I'm gonna tell you uh, is, uh, I don't know if you actually subscribe to my newsletter down there in the description, you're gonna find the link to do it. But there was a couple of huge communication. The first of those was that Komoot partner up with me for uh, the new season of the Broomwagon. The other one is that my website is officially online. So description below, you will find the website. Otherwise, look for Stefano Nucera, that is my name and surname, S-E-F-A-N-O-N-U-C-E-R-A.com and you will see my website and you can also look up there on uh, the podcast session or just write broomwagonpodcast.com or broomwagonpodcast.cc and you will see actually all the season arranged episode by episode, season by season, mini-series per mini-series. And there you will find some more information about every episode and also the new episodes that are going to go live. So in the season number four, you're going to see everything there. I think it's another good window to have out there so everybody can actually find a bit better my podcast, my episode, and also who I am and who I am and I'm going to be in the big landscape of cycling adventure content creation wow this is a format just came out from my mind so yeah stefanonuccera.com please do it and don't forget another super important really super important thing to comment subscribe review the broom wagon on any of your host podcasts that you have any of the apps that are using for listening to this podcast it's super super important because this will help me actually climbing a bit up all the charts of uh, the podcast 
uh, applications and stuff. I just discovered that I'm also on Audible or Amazon. This is the same thing, but actually I found myself on the Amazon.com uh, website, but in the Audible session, you know what I mean. Uh, so also if you are on Alexa out there, just just make something like, do the command, just ask for some keywords, listen to the Broomwagon podcast by Calamaro, and probably you will listen to my voice. But let's jump on the episode of today, shall we? So this is the second time that I have this topic on my podcast. The first time was last year, but this year I was super happy to invite again uh, the people from the Candle Mountain Film Festival to my podcast because I wanted to talk in this year Wow, uh, in this special here, wow, and we are more there, uh, about their great things and their great initiatives. So I was super, super happy of having Steve Scott, one of the directors of the festival, and Jenny Rice, the organizer and planner of the bike night in the Kendall Mountain Festival, talking to me about really everything. We talked a lot about inclusivity, we talked a lot about giving the good example to kids to join the outdoor community, and it was really inspiring inspiring and super good. So I recommend you really to go on the website candlemountainfestival.com and check on their portfolio all the films that you can watch for free or just after a little subscription. It's gonna be all live till the end of this year, so 31st of December. But first of doing that, just keep on listening to The Broom Wagon and to the awesome interview with Scott and Jenny. Well, it's kind of a deja vu. No, it's not a deja vu because it's always new. Like every year, it's a new thing for me following the Candle Mountain Film Festival. But this year is a deja vu because we had already a conversation with Steve uh, last year, presenting the 39th edition of the festival. And today we are here with Steve and Jenny talking about still uh, this new edition of the festival with something new and with a classic, a special angle on cycling. First of all, Thanks a lot to be here, people, and yeah, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back again, Stefano. Uh, well, people, so as I was saying, I'm super happy to talk with you today, and I would love maybe for people that are just tuning in only for this episode or whatever, if you can give me uh, just a few words on introduction about yourself. It's always good. Uh, so I'm Jenny, and I um, originally um the festival graphic designer, um, so I produce all of the design stuff for the festival. But we also kind of, we're quite a small team, so we all kind of pitch in in different ways. So with my background in, um, I've always run, cycled and swam, I've kind of ended up bringing myself into the events relating to those topics, really. So um, I've curated the outdoor swimming session for the last few years at the festival. And this year I took on the road bike session, which was an absolute joy. So I've always cycled in different ways from when I was a kid with my family. Um, You know, I've commuted in London. I've done a bit of time trials, I've done triathlons, I've done Land's End to Groats, so I kind of have a wide range of cycling experience. I haven't done so much the last couple of years, um, but I got back on my bike this year with kind of lockdown and I just looked at it and thought, why haven't I ridden that for a couple of years? And so it was really nice to get back out again. And then with that excitement, kind of renewed excitement for cycling to then have the chance to program this session was just brilliant for me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, and my name's Steve Scott, and I'm, I'm one of the di- one of three directors of Kendall Mountain Festival. Um, again, I've been involved since 2004 with the festival, as, as you mentioned, Stefano. This is the, the 40th anniversary. 
my background is in professional sport as a as a skier, ski racer when I was younger, but then I turned to other mountain sports and had a school in, in the French Alps for nearly 10 years. Um, I traveled the world with, with my sport, uh, Norway, Japan, all over the place. But um, as far as cycling is concerned, I guess my main background with cycling is mountain biking, but but I've always rode biked and used that for, for pleasure and fitness. And it's always been a passion of mine. So cycling has become a really integral part of the festival, not just because we love it here, but because the audience have been asking us to increase that level of content. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This year especially was really, I think, for whom could go out. So I'm thinking about everywhere in the world, apart from probably Spain and now France and Italy, a lot of hanging out outdoor probably in our backyards and try to get a bit more of adventure close by our places, but still outdoor instead of going around partying, drinking in bars or whatever, having been in this super special situation. Talking about special situation. So we are we are saying this is the 40th edition, 40th edition of the festival. A festival that was always a live festival. So I mean, with audience out there talking with people, hanging out with different people, gatherings, uh, I don't know, something like um, really sitting together and exchanging in-person experiences, but also from the stage to the audience. Well, this year was a bit different. Tell me how it has been, first of all. And the second thing I would like to know, how the planning, when at a certain point you decided to switch everything to a different path than the traditional one, and how did you deal with planning and going live with it? Well, five, five months or so ago, we were planning on running sort of a hybrid event. With the pandemic, we, we thought we might be able to have some live audience with us in, 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 the, um, in the venues. But as things progressively got worse, we, we had to make a very fast decision to, to switch to pure online. Um, obviously, the pandemic was getting worse. Government restrictions were making our decision process um, well easier in some ways that we, we knew we weren't going to be able to have people physically coming to, to the festival. So we shifted all our investment and energy into creating an online platform and and designing an event that um, is very non-linear, but also very diverse in, in, its, in its layers and its content uh, to, to place something on the online platform. It, it was a new challenge for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, a question that I want to ask you about that is, um, tell us more maybe, just to make a bit more of context around. So it's everything LP, uh, happening at the moment online how does it work so you started as i remember at the beginning of this week right and uh, uh, you are going live with some events some nights some live events and broadcasting and everything like this and till when can we actually have fun and watch the content out there how it's going to be how can we being into the audience for this candle mountain festival because for one side is a bummer, I think, because would be great for all of us outdoor, um, yeah, outdoor people, outdoor enthusiasts to come there to kind of enjoy the time there also with you, with the community and stuff. But on the other side, it's like also an opportunity because a lot of more people can enjoy the content that you're taking out and the spirit thanks to that. Yeah, so we started recording last Thursday and every night we've got a live streamed event going out, which is each one's kind of on a different 
area where we're going outdoors. So the first one was mountain running, but then we've had bike night, we've had underground last night. So there's a different one every single night. And then we've also got 30, over 30 literature events that are going out as well. A handful of those are live, but majority of those um, are pre-recorded and they've got, they were filmed in a separate studio. So the events that are going out, um, that are being added to each uh, day at the moment are recorded in our, um, our usual kind of main venue for the festival, the Brewery Arts Centre in Kendall. So we set up a studio in there with an amazing set that looks incredible. You wouldn't know that none of us had ever done set design before. So we kind of, you know, we were scrambling to get it all together in time and it did all come together in time. And I think people that are turning up are quite surprised at how good it all looks, um, which is quite nice. Um, and I think we're, we're pleased with how good it looks as well. So yeah, we've got these events that are going out, um, some pre-recorded, some live streamed. And after Sunday, almost everything will be online until the end of December. So people can then just watch on demand when they want. Um, and then of course, there's also the films. So over 200 films, um, we've got 18 film collections. And then I think over 30, feature films um so there's a huge amount of content mm. i think it's possibly overwhelming for some people but it's there's it, there's got to be something for everyone there for sure yeah 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 i don't know i always tend to because actually okay this year is the first time that you're experiencing um going everything for online content and stuff but anyways you can still also for the others you could still watch some films and uh, a bit of your content around in the website before so the thing that i tend to do for this kind of uh, events like yours or yours in general is try to really because this content there is awesome and needs to be watched at least for me because it gives me a lot of inspiration something trying to planning between the days that everything is open and something like planning half an hour one hour every day or five hours four hours a week in order to get the most of it of course i don't always make it to watch all the content also there is not so easy but try to to get as much as i can and also on the other side not only going to everything that is only my passion but try to discover also something new here around so you can also get inspired to get some more passions for and stuff like this and that's really good for example now i'm completely fascinated about mountains content and everything that is related to bordering and whatever like this so i try to watch also this kind of content from time to time and that's awesome <laughs> Um, well, uh, I want to ask you, so that's perfect. I want to ask you also, I have another curiosity. How um, does it look like? How the candle community at the moment is also, um, let's say, uh, leaving the situation. Usually they were used to have in this period of the year something like busy times and a lot of people visiting or whatever. Are they still keeping up? Are they still happy anyways that the association that you're leading and the festival that you're leading is still going out with some content and going with a lot of hope for next year? Or there is just still a bit of, I don't know, I think that sadness is going to be anyways because everybody likes to be everybody together, right? Yeah, I think um, I think people are sad not to be here in person, of course. Um, yeah. But I, I think actually what we're doing this year is certainly not wasted opportunity. Um, we're building foundations to expand our event to a truly global audience, uh, even more next year, where we'll be running, fingers crossed that we can beat this pandemic. Um, if we can run simulcasts, 
you know, live events, but also live stream at the same time around the world. I think that's definitely what we plan to do because we do believe our content is so high quality. It has, has a much bigger audience audience demand than, than just here in the UK. So, um, yeah, we, we're excited about what the future holds. We were going to launch a TV channel, uh, online TV channel next year anyway. So this is really helping us shape shape the content yeah and a lot of that content that we intend to put out will be curated by the Kendall team so we didn't just want to have a another website with just wallpaper film and content of course we'll have film but we also want to be curating our own our own content and panel debate and and, uh, you know, like a news program for outdoor, if you like. <laughs> That's lovely. And I can tell you that actually I think that this is exactly the the winning part that I can see from the Candle uh, Film Festival. And I'm talking about not only uh, organizing nights where you're just showing uh, the films to the audience or giving some prizes and getaway and giveaways and stuff like this, but really sitting down with people and discussing with the protagonists of the, protagonists of the film or somebody that is actually talking about the same topics or just involving the audience as well. Now, I actually can refer basically and mostly also uh, because we are, we, we are with Jenny here, uh, but from the Rafa Road uh, Cycling Night, and this was really, really, really great. And I really, for example, something that I loved was um, the time where the Candle Cycling Club kids were engaging with, I don't remember his name, but with one of your guests talking about pro cycling and everything like this. Well, that was something that really opened my heart for several reasons, making pro cycling really a bit more human and also showing the passion and involving the kids into um yeah into something that can be also watching only watched in tv maybe especially in the periods and stuff this was really great it's really involving people and i believe that actually probably this is a basic for all the content that you're spreading around in candle mountain in candle mountain festival yes and is actually inclusivity so having the opportunity of involving everybody uh into the topics, into the content, and into all the activities that you're trying to carry around. Let's talk about inclusivity for one moment. Probably this was always something in the bones of the festival, right? So it was something that was always there. It was created together with that. But probably it meant a bit more this year. It, it meant something more this year. What do you think about that? Also, because I watching also the trailer of the festival or whatever, it's really something massive there inside. Tell me more about that. <laughs> For me, coming at the angle of inclusivity, and I think um, definitely in the outdoors this year, like a lot more people have accessed it um, in different ways. People that haven't accessed it before don't know how to, and I think that's not necessarily their fault. I think there's a lot of lack of education on um, kind of the outdoors. I think there was a stat that the government spent £3,000 on publicising the countryside code in this country annually. So it's like a pitiful amount of budget put to that. Um, so, and I think with Kendall, we reach um, an audience that probably already enjoys the outdoors and knows about it. So there's an element of preaching to the converted, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of hardcore people involved in our festival and enjoy the content. And I wanted to try and with the events I've curated to bring in 
things they maybe wouldn't have seen or thought of or heard about or just there's a, you know I think particularly with road cycling there's a definite age group and gender that you just expect to see on stage and actually except for Ben co-hosting it there wasn't as you know we had um I don't I, yeah it, it was you know from ages in, if you include the questions for James Knox yeah it James was Knox. from four yeah, it was from ages four, and then the film about the oldest person to cycle London on the Great to 87. So that was just what I really wanted to do, was just to bring in all those different ages and then look at different ways people enjoy being on a bike. And in truth, it wasn't a road bike session, it was a cycling session. You know, there were, um, you know, the trishaws, you know, that's not very exciting. <laughs> but I was like, just, I heard about this project in Keswick, and I was just desperate to bring in an element of that. Um but then I think that's something people might watch and go, oh, you know what? I'd quite like to become a trained on one of those and take elderly people out on them. So it might be that a you know, fit road cyclist goes, actually, this is something I could do and give back. Um, so, yeah, there's so many people doing so many different things out there. Um, you know, it's really hard to choose what to show and what to program. But I think we've definitely, at the festival, there's a lot of people really passionate about opening up the audience and opening up the speakers on stage as well, the people who are sharing their stories and it not just being you're expecting what you're expecting. It's you to be kind of surprised by, oh, I totally wasn't expecting to see that. <laughs> um, like the film about Leo Rogers, you know, you kind of, that was just, you know, to see him ride a bike like he does. So he was, that's the film from Bicycling, Bicycling Magazine in America. Um, and Leo Rogers is a um, one-legged you know, he's, he's lost his leg in a motorbike accident and it's it's literally just below the hip, gone. And he rides without a prosthetic leg. He, I mean, obviously you can't have, get the power through it. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible how you manage to stay on a bike and it's just like, it's, an, it's you know, part of him. Um, but just from watching something like that, it's like so exciting. Um, to then a film about uh, the captain of Kampala Cycling Club in Uganda. And that was, for me, I really loved showing that because I spent six months in Uganda oh, really? about 12 years ago now. And just seeing the taxi rank and like this place I'd been, I was just like, this is cool. But then also seeing their club being out, none of them on proper road bikes, you know, the Marion, the captain's on a, you know, old part, like a, a mountain bike pretty much, but they're just getting out riding. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. I think as well, um, to to sort of blow Jenny's trump, she's done an amazing job in designing a, a program for road bike that can can tie in sort of local or personal connections to a to a high level. So for example, you know, James Knox, who is a local um, local rider, he started out as a as a fell runner, mountain runner with the local club here. Um, he's now on the quick step quick step team. So uh, again, you know, the children can relate directly to that, but like like some of the community riding um, content that she's designed, it, it's really nice for people to see lots of different levels that they can get involved with the sport to maybe give back, to encourage new generations. And, you know, our theme for the festival this year is nurture, and it is really about us nurturing future generations and, and nurturing the environment and, and nurturing our sports that we all love across the board, really. No, that's uh, this was actually great. Um, so just to add a small single note on that, just uh, for uh, I don't know, just to explain to you how kind of similar are 
our, uh, our shows, anyways, our events and stuff. So I interviewed Leo Rogers last week now, and he's going to be actually on the first episode of this season of The Broom Wagon. And I had absolute solve. First episode is going to be Leo, second one is going to be you. And I we made all of this without, actually, I didn't know because this happened one week, 10 days ago. So before knowing what kind of film was going on, was going live in your, in yeah. your event. And that's super, super, super fun, right? Super, super cool because you are actually scanning everything, all the possibilities that are around in terms of topics of what you have close by you. And then you try to show an angle of something that is really astonishing and talks about, again, um, I don't know, hope, for sure, inclusivity, light-hearted uh, approach to life, because that's another thing that actually astonished me from what I read, from the video that I watched, and from the interview that I got with Leo. is super light-hearted. It's not one who is actually thinking about, oh God, I was super unlucky or whatever. Always watching at the future and always watching on how he can help people to get their best and to be you know, to be an example of moving forward. And that's what he's going to do as well with this uh, foundation that he's trying to build up and everything like this. And that's really, that's really, really great. We are kind of all part of the same world, all sharing, um, yeah, the, um, let's say, the values that are all around and still try and tend to make a story out of it that can inspire more people because uh, going to this direction i think that this is really the challenge it happens to me and actually tell me if this is uh, also an experience that you can relate to from time to time when i'm building up my podcast and really by building up my show i watch around i try to understand what are the topics that are out there that are kind of hype and then uh, i'm checking out which one are the story that can fit on my angle of point of view and what is trendy. And then on the other side, you tell the story. From time to time, I have the impression that, okay, but uh, probably I'm talking to people that already know what I'm talking, while I would love to get more people on board in order to share um, the things, the values that I want to share, because that's the thing, my point of view on things. And sometimes I feel actually in this kind of situation, okay, how can I do? This is the challenge. How can I do? Shall I pick a topic that are a bit more hype than watching them at a different angle? Talking about things that we all think that are basic and talking about that in a, bot in a bit easier way in order to let people come over and listen to the thing that we can say or and explain them and introduce them to a new world or we should really just focus on something that we know that is cool and we know that we're going to have an audience at that actually just to expand the point of view of people that are already listening to us so this is actually the different stages that i find myself on uh, on the production of my uh, on my content what about you guys how do you usually think how do you decide how to build up the in this case the night or how you choose in the film and which one is the goal that you have in mind uh getting to new audience or to letting them know how cool is our point of view and how cool are the outdoors basically how cool are the people that are outside and we can get rich thanks to their point of view or you're better thinking okay just focus on our target and that's it and let other people know a bit more and go deep into stuff Okay. Yeah, I think, <laughs> Sorry, this well, was a difficult yeah. one, but actually, this is something that is coming on no, my mind every time. No, no, I think it's a it's a really good point. If if, if I've understood, there's quite a lot of points in that in that yeah. question. I think 
I think it's really, really interesting because I think that has changed this year for us because of the online delivery of, of the event. Normally at Kendall, we know that we have a very dedicated audience who, who come to the festival, who buy the tickets, who come to the big venues to hear the inspirational talks. Um, but this year, I think we've had to change our approach a little to be, like you said, to maybe try and attract, we know we have a lot of new audience this year. Maybe some people don't really know a lot about road biking, you know, gravel biking, mountain biking, you name it. The, uh, and the same can be said for a lot of the disciplines that we're, we're, we're talking about. So what we've tried to say to the presenters, um, and a good example was the other night where we were talking about free flight, paragliding, wingsuit flying. We, we try to explain to the non-user to the non-loyal uh, follower that um, some of the rudiments, some of the basics of the sport so that people could understand the topic of conversation without us trying to make it too distilled and too, too bland. So we still believe that we have a very strong specialism through, through different disciplines, but we also know that we have to, with inclusivity in mind, um, we have to explain some, some areas in a, in a very simple way to hopefully keep people's attention or get their attention to, to get interested in our content. So I guess this year has been very different because we have, we've had to think more openly about how we, how we use words, how we use our language as well on, on the camera. No, yeah, yeah. And um, I, completely, I completely see your point and I can see actually the difference between last year's for you and this year because now you're really open worldwide with the potential audience being <clears throat> pretty broad. While before, actually, people that knew already the festival or just for worth of a mouse, like-minded people were actually probably the main of the mm. audience that you had. While this year, it's... And did, did this actually change a bit your way of uh, choosing your content that you're going to show your panels for discussion or whatever? Did it change a bit? You told me already that you had to think about it on uh, which one is going to be uh, the way that you're talking about stuff or whatever. What about the content itself? Did you actually choose content in a different way? gave us more opportunity to think of speakers that we maybe wouldn't have been able to um, fly in, say, so mm. kind of go more internationally. Um, I don't think um, I'd have necessarily, if it had been a real life festival, I'd, I'd probably have wanted the same people there. Um, but it just gave us the opportunity to bring in, um, I mean, with road, bike, they, we, the people that dialed in were all local, but say, for example, with the outdoor swimming session that's on Sunday, we've got an incredible swimmer called Jamie Monaghan, who's from New York, who will be talking for, um, and she's, you know, a phenomenal swimmer. She's swum, actually, the length of Lake Geneva. Um, oh, wow. She's swum, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. only about five people have done. It's very, yeah, it's, it's incredible. But she's also swum an ice mile on um, every continent. She's, um, and this year, though, she, she travels a lot for swimming, and this year she um, couldn't. Um, but because she lives in um, New York, she just did a lot of swims around Manhattan. So she did, um, in seven days, she swam it every day. And then she did five in a row, I think. It was like, you're talking over 100 miles of, like, swimming. Um, so people like that, and she's just got a huge following. Um, but, you know, we've tried to get her previous years, but it just hasn't worked. This is her really busy time at work. She wouldn't be able to travel. So, yeah, so it's given us the option of getting people that we just wouldn't have been able to before, um, which is, yeah, really exciting. And in, in other, you know, we've had people like, yeah, um, Levison Wood, 
Steve Backshaw, like people that are big on our, I mean, I don't know so much in Europe, but on like RTV here, like Channel 4, BBC, mm. like these are big names that would get big viewings. So we've managed to get quite a lot of people like that, that I think probably had quite a quiet year. And then with regards to like reaching new audiences, we were looking at those people as a way of bringing in new audiences. So your audience that will watch something with those people on TV, if they follow them on social media and see their speaking at Kendall Mountain Festival, then maybe they come in and find us that way. And then they discover all of our other content as well, hopefully. So it's kind of... That's one of the yeah. few, few advantages to us of the pandemic. Yeah is that we can, we can bring in a, a whole layer of people who would normally be out filming projects mm. around the world. Um, but this year, because they're stuck, stuck in the UK or stuck in the US or wherever in Europe, um, then, then we have that opportunity to, to bring them into Kendall. Um, so it's probably the richest year for, for sort of the, the diversity and, and quality of, of, of people that are coming. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, great. Uh, I would love to go a bit more deep into the uh, cycling night, as you called it, not road cycling, but cycling night. So, and all the topics that were there. Um, you actually mentioned um, this super cool, sto cool story of uh, the Kampala um, courier service, and it was great. Something like showing a woman who is, for her job, going around with a bicycle, whatever, how much um, she can inspire people around her. That's can see her and uh, that's something that yeah it's really really great because really can give you the opportunity to understand okay I can do really whatever I want and this is a great inspiration for people around her and also for people that are watching the film same thing with Leo Rogers and all these kind of aspects but um, so about all the topics that were there inside and the inclusivity especially there as the main point how do you think that actually Uh, apart from doing the great job that you are doing, we all can really spread the voice of inclusivity in cycling in this case. So really empowering people to continue doing whatever they want to do, just using the bike or using the skateboard or using whatever they want. Of course, the thing that you're doing is already huge because it's showing stories that usually they are not shown in TV or whatever uh, to people in order to empower uh, their possibility. And also on the other side, what is next? What do you think we can do all in order to empower people to, to lead, for example, or just to do something and whatever we can do in order to include everybody on choosing the thing that they want to do, despite of the gender, the, gender, the possibility and everything? It's a big question. I know, I know. <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier because I saw it in your notes. Um, I guess some initial things I was thinking about that, I mean, particularly this year has been a huge year in more people cycling. Um, you know, like the bike industry has done incredibly well out of it. Like, but they, they haven't been able to keep up with demand for bikes. Um, so I think, again, talking about positive things to come out of the pandemic, like that's another thing that people have... You know, or maybe they've dug a bike out of the shed that hasn't been used for ages, um, that they've just forgotten about. They're like, oh, actually, I can use this now. So I think there's a, a huge amount of people who will have started cycling this year, and it's just hopefully keeping them enjoying it, keeping them engaged with it, keeping, you know, hopefully they don't lose the love for it. Um, hopefully they realise, like, how wonderful it is, whether it's using it for commuting, going to the shops, or for fun, or for fitness, like, it's, 
you know, and I think indoor cycling as well is like doing incredibly, you know, Zwift and everything's just taken off. You know, some people absolutely loving that. There's so many ways you can access it now. Um, I still think there's a huge amount of barriers though, and that's not something like we can just fix. So, you know, there's, you know, infrastructure for cycling, particularly in, you know, much worse in Europe, like, you know, cities in this country are not brilliant. Like, even in our local town, like, they're trying to improve it, but it's just not good for cycling. Like, you have to follow the one-way system, like a car. You can't turn off to just do a more direct route. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really not brilliant. But, I mean, I've got friends who cycled as kids that now live in London and just don't cycle. They're just, like, it's just terrifying. And, and it is. And you, I think you've got to be quite brave to get on a bike in London. And I did when I was there, and I kind of really got into it. It was absolutely fine. And then one day, just cycling home, like a van just pulled out in front of me. I was fine. I got knocked off. My wheel was a bit bent. I was a bit shaken up by it. And after that, like, I just became a really nervous cyclist. I'd just be expecting every car to pull out in front of me. So I'd slow down, even though it's my right of way. So, But I think that was a few years ago. And I think in London, there's definitely, like, a huge amount they've done with the cycling network. Mm. And I think if cyclists there now would be having a a much better experience but it's still a long a long way to go um and then also just the cost of it still it's like you can go anyone can cycle but you still need to be able to get a bike you know bikes aren't cheap um you know maybe you pick one up second hand but then maintenance you know it's expensive and like just taking and then you do there are bike shops like that that will rip you off you know I've had friends go to a bike shop and be quoted a huge amount of money for something that they went to another shop and it was just fitting a new gear cable for 15 quid and they've been quoted like 300 and told them you know it's so there's I think that can put people off because you can feel quite naive and silly and it's a bit like you know taking a car your car to the garage as well isn't it you just have to trust somebody so you you do what they say so i think i think that's also the it's a really good point jenny makes you know and i think that's one of the reasons we're seeing a rise in community cycling groups you know the the power is coming back to the people you know the people are saying okay well, if, if old people can't ride, we'll start an old, older generation cycling club and get the, the right people to, to guide them, to teach them, to, to take them out. The same with, um, you know, the mechanical side of things. Like Jenny was saying, the bike shops were seeing a sort of rise in independent bike mechanics who are starting small businesses who are getting a, certainly locally. I know of a guy who's doing really well because he's not, he's not ripping people off. Mm-hmm. He's, he really believes in the community of cycling and, and getting... Um, you know, repurposing old bicycles as well. And, you know, I use him all the time on my bike because he's really reasonable and he's a very highly skilled mechanic. So I think all these different community groups are really changing the face of our sport, really. No, yeah, that's great. Dear, really, your points, your great points, guys, really could open up here a conversation pretty long, but I really like just, I wouldn't to stress on one point that you're saying. I think that's really important. Something like um, putting people at the center of the conversation instead of putting the market in the middle of the conversation. Because if you're putting people at center, it means actually repairing that bike instead of selling them every year a new bike and then of course, uh, emptying the pocket of people that only the people that are wealthy can actually do it, or on the other side, polluting completely the world and blah, blah, blah. These are a lot of bad points. And the only good point is probably into the market and in the production. It's still something that 
should be done, but there are ways and ways. While putting the, pe the person in the middle, you are really empowering people or just enjoying and having fun on the bike instead of putting in their brain uh, something like the little bug that, oh God, after two years, I need to change my bike, otherwise I'm not cool anymore. No, you are cool if you're doing something cool. Mm -hmm. You are not cooling, cool if you are owing, owning or whatever, something that the market says that is cool. So I really love your point on the on this point, yeah. on this thing. And I think that actually, I think that we are arriving at the point, and actually a lot of inspiration came directly uh, from, uh, yeah, the videos that I watch, and actually the, the live show that uh, you put, the, the show that you put live. Seems like we are really arriving at the point that a lot of young people or kids are really engaging a lot with the lifestyle, the culture of cycling, but also the sport. I want to mention, for example, uh, yeah, uh, the question time of the kids of the Candle Cycling Club uh, in your session, first of all. Um, the whole wave of uh, young athletes that actually crushed completely pro cycling this year, we can mention all of them. Uh, Theo Gegenhardt, of course, uh, English and actually won uh, the Giro d'Italia. Uh, Joao Almeida doing super good. Uh, Pogacar winning the Tour de France. That's the new wave and seems like a lot of young people are really getting into cycling. And another thing that actually I got inspiration from still from your live show is uh, the kid, I would say the kid is 14 years old to accomplish the um, the Everesting, and that's another great inspiration. And also all the young kids that actually are approaching cycling in a completely different point of view, not only competing one against each other, but just going out and doing something good. And the tips that he was doing to all the audience was, go out and try, I did it without having any training. How do you think about that? What do you think? Do you think that we are really reaching the point that we are really engaging a bit more kids on outdoor in general and cycling in particular? And... How, uh, where are we going to go there? Do you think that actually is, is bright there or it's something that we need to continue to nurture? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that needs to can hopefully be continued to be pushed and, you know, promoted amongst young people. Um, I think quite a, um, definitely Zach, so Zach, the guy who did the Everesting, he came from a cycling family, his dad cycles, his, you know, and same with James Knox, the pro cyclist, he's, uh, from a big cycling family so I I feel I get the feeling that a lot of the young people we are seeing cycling are coming from a cycling family so they're not maybe new to it from you know it's like how are they finding out about it um and I think so often cycling is something you know as a kid you can't go and buy a 400 pound 500 pound bike so you do need the your parents to want you to cycle I think so um which is um yeah, I think there's a big um, opportunity there. It's like trying to reach the children that don't have those bikes already and don't have, yeah. But um, thinking about the like role models for younger cyclists, there's a brilliant girl on Instagram called Ruby Isaac. I don't know if you come across her, but yeah. So she's she was like one of my ideas to host the road bike session. <laughs> um, I just thought she was fantastic, but her... Following is huge. She does tricks on her rollers. She's, I don't, I, I guess she's like maybe 11 or 12. I'm not sure. But she's, you know, she, actually, Bicycling Magazine did a brilliant interview with her as well recently where, you know, they did the interview on the bike and went out cycling with her. And she was averaging a really impressive pace for someone that age. And um, 
so I think there's yeah people like her that have got a big following on Instagram um that make cycling quite cool but she's also clearly not she clearly just absolutely loves it you know there's there's no sort of posing or there's no sort of like um it's just you know she's just incredibly passionate about cycling and wants to like share that so maybe that will make a difference and bring people to it that weren't so interested before who knows but I think it's it's a tricky thing to break into because I think cycling's got such a reputation with like the gear and you know the lycra and that can definitely put people off you know if you like you've got to look a certain way and it's kind of like but you don't you can just get on wearing whatever but yeah <laughs> no, I, no I think you're right I think I think what Jenny was saying about role models as well I think you know, people like Zach Burgess and, and, and the girl that uh, she's just been talking about, I think if other kids see these, these people in their age bracket, then they can, they can instantly relate to it or aspire to taking on these new challenges. And it's becoming cool again. I think, you know, cycling in, in many disciplines right across that uh, is becoming um, really cool for people. And, you know, and I think there's always characters as well, even in the Tour de France, which are, uh, the, you know, the Grand Tours, it's always about the, the sort of the machine, the industry of the business, if you like. But the people we always remember within those tours are the characters. You know, if you go back to Pantani or, or you know, even even in the modern modern riders, it's always the ones who are a little bit edgier, who, you know, mm -hmm. who, who always stick in your mind. So they might be a little bit like alternative the way they dress their hair or they might pull wheelies um you know it's um it's always the people who try and push the boundaries that i think we 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 sort of warm to and i think that's really important that that the kids see that as well that it doesn't always have to be about twenty thousand euro bicycles and and huge buses and 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 you know audi cars it's all also about them taking on their own mini everest challenges in their own home, you know, and um, I think that's maybe what the pandemic has enabled young people to do is to maybe think about, um, you know, goals that they can actually attain in a, in a sort of shorter, shorter time in a ge smaller geographical area. Yeah, makes sense. I just want to actually to raise the last topic and then I want to let you be because you are pretty busy with uh, interviews and broadcasting and you're doing an amazing job really on going live with your awesome festival. So you talked about role models. You slightly touch because I did it uh, um, on the ground tours and stuff and we talked about inclusivity a lot. Putting together these three things, this is probably, and I would love to have a comment for you, the reason why we really need a women's Tour de France. Because everybody knows Tour de France around the world about cycling. If I had to be completely sincere, I'm waiting way more with a lot of, let's say, time and will and as well nervous. I'm super nervous for that. I'm waiting way more for the spring classic session. So that one week in Belgium and whatever. But everywhere in the world, they weigh, they prefer really and everybody's watching the Tour de France. And having yeah. really the situation where the only race, of course, uh, stage race, we have also um, La Rosa here in, um, in Italy that is kind of a version, a smaller version of the Giro d'Italia for, for women. But talking about Tour de France, because everybody knows it, the only thing that we have is just one single stage, usually is the last one, where pro women can really show themselves how good they are and whatever. And 
we don't have it. So probably it's really, really important, and that's actually a job of l'international of uh, Dono Lefe, Dono Lefe, Okay, 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 enough. I made enough mess with this name for the name of this collective. So I asked to somebody who really knows how to pronounce French to help me with that. Marcia? Donon des ailes au vélo. Thank you, Marcia. Um, this also other association in France that is also um, pushing this situation on having, on showing everybody that also women are capable. They are, because endurance, it's really, really strong in women and they are super strong on that. So they're showing that also women can deal doing a Tour de France better probably sometimes than men and still we don't have it which one are your thoughts on that Do, shall we in my opinion yes actually shall we really continue pushing on having a tour de france for women or we really need to organize something completely new that actually doesn't have the sticky eye of um, yeah of all the audience around so like the men tour de france and changing completely the angle and going in another direction in order to empower to show, first of all, young uh, women to uh, that their role models and their possibilities, and as well to give more possibility on women to get sponsors and a bit more of visibility. Which one is the way, in your opinion? Um, I think having watched the um, Jess Fawcett from the Internationals and the film that they did, um, I just think everything they say in that makes sense and they just they're going to keep fighting until there is one they're just going to keep riding it a day ahead of the men um you know they didn't do it this year sadly but they still did an incredible challenge absolutely riding the distance of the tour de france on a turbo and then going and everesting a hill in um wales <laughs> so it was pretty yeah it was very impressive um yeah but yeah, I, I think their point is that the Tour de France is something that everyone's heard of. And um, when they talk about it to friends who maybe aren't into cycling and they say to the person, oh, but, you know, there's only a men's Tour de France. There's no women's. People are like, oh, oh, yeah, that what? That's not right. Um, so it's I think it is important that they keep on with that one because I think they try and create something else. It just feels like how, you can't build up to that level of recognition from just putting creating a new event um so yeah i think they should keep battling and hopefully it won't be far away but it also feels like such a huge battle they said um one of the first things jess said was when they released the tour de france route for next year recently the show that they did it on was they did a graphic on her, their instagram page um of basically the time spent talking about the men's race next year and then the percentage of that time spent talking about the women's race. And I think it got 30 seconds. 31 seconds, yes. Well, 31 seconds, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about La Course and yeah, that's it. And they were just like, right, yeah, we've still got a lot of work to do. So it's, yeah, it's quite sad. And you get, you hear people saying, oh, it's not as simple as, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's not that easy to do and you can't just put on, but it's like, yeah, but you can. <laughs> you can just shut up and get on with it and you know build like they say it in the film but it's like the women need the sponsors to build the teams to get the riders to make it a race because yes at the moment maybe it wouldn't be as interesting because there aren't the riders to back build the teams so you've got their different roles to play um so but they're there waiting to come it's just the opportunity and the support that they need and the yeah so it's a brilliant film I really I just think what they're doing is absolutely amazing and you know they're all just you know amateurs they just you know they've all got jobs they're just 
taking this upon themselves. Yeah, there's a lovely moment at the end of the film where they're riding and oh, there's, there's basically, it's kind of a shot of all of the women in the team in the UK and then just one young girl and they're just saying basically they're not doing it for themselves, they're doing it for the generations to come. So I think what you were talking about earlier with like young people cycling, like, yeah, hopefully with this more young people coming into cycling now and seeing maybe coming across the internationals and seeing that as, oh, these women are cycling the Tour de France. It's not the race, but they can do it. Um, yeah, it's quite... I think, I think you, you would agree with me as a man, Stefano, that, you know, one thing that really annoys me is the, the number of men in the senior management levels who, who make these decisions you know and I think one thing that we've traditionally done as a, as, a, as a gender is not always listen to the women and you know I think you know if the women want to have their own tour de France and they should they should have it but they should also be in the position to manage and organize that because I just don't like I don't like the way it's always middle-aged guys who are making the decisions for the women and I think that has to change I think we need more women in senior management roles in the sport to make those decisions. Yeah, also because I really, really would love to move a bit away all the sports in general, uh, especially the organization, but also everything related to marketing or whatever, to this kind of box full of testosterone. That's how I call it all the time. There are other point of views. I'm one of the less competitive person on planet Earth and being completely into this kind of point of view all the time of having more to make more to get more money to get more this to get more uh, performance and blah 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 it's really something that makes me uncomfortable and i truly believe that having whatever other point of view from whatever point of view i would say um from a women point of view or just other people point of view or whatever it's the best if you are continue managing everything from the point of view of middle-aged white men with only competition in mind, then we are not going to have all the inclusivity that we are looking for, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. People, uh, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot for this lovely conversation this morning. I just want you to remember me and all of us that are listening to this podcast. How can we reach and how can actually... Um, yeah, uh, follow you on or just watching all your movies or getting the ticket, really being part of the amazing journey that you are building up for the whole world this year because you are live and online. So, so yeah, go onto our website, kendallmountainfestival.com. Um, and the great thing is you can spend all, all the Christmas periods um, watching all the content right, right up until the end of the year. Most of the content is still available right up until the end of December. So and there's lots of free stuff. There's competitions from the brands. And obviously you're in Switzerland at the moment. They're one of our big uh, Swiss tourism is a big sponsor. So people can win a certainly from the UK a holiday to Switzerland. But there's lots of things for people to 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 take part in, to win, to to enjoy the films, to enjoy all the speaker sessions. But it's it's all online, um, on demand um, at various different levels right until the end of the year. Yeah, I can say that actually Swiss people and Swiss governments and stuff, they know how to live outdoor and how to make the best out of it. So I can understand why they are one of the biggest sponsors of your festival. I can completely mm -hmm. understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Jenny. Thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, best of luck for the end of yeah the last time, the last days of the festival. Talk to you soon, soon, soon. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for being here today. Thanks for having us on. Thank you very much. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Thanks, ciao. Ciao, ciao.
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And also would say two coins more for the mess that I've done with Dono de Elo Velo name. So I would say the 10. Let's round up the count of coins that I have to put into the COVID swear jar. By the way, the idea of the COVID swear jar just arrived directly for, from there, from the Candle Mountain Festival and from the mountain bike night. If you just really want to watch it, please do it. It was an amazing couple of hours of amazing content and amazing uh, interviews and films and everything. I really, really recommend. And they were doing actually this thing of the COVID swear jar. Every time that you would mention or refer to it, you would put a coin on that. So now I said another couple of times, I think that really we are rounding up the count of money. Remember, go to candlemountainfestival.com and just try to support them and actually watch all the amazing and super inspiring content that they have there. And thanks a lot to Scott and Jenny for the lovely conversation that we had. And thank you to arrive till the end of this episode. And actually, I can tell you that I will take a pause Christmas season. I'm going to be here around hanging out in Zurich anyways, but I think it's good to give you a break as well for a couple of weeks on uh, the content of the podcast. Just uh, stay with family as much as you can or whatever. Spend some uh, cozy time uh, in this period and I'm going to come back with you in January with the episode number three. So 2021 is going to be the episode number three. Thanks again a lot for listening to that. And please remember to subscribe, rate, comment, share with your friends any of the episodes that you like the most. It's pretty important for me and it's pretty important to build up and grow uh, the community of, yeah, of everybody, of the Broom Wagoners. Uh, because I think that the topics that we are really talking about, especially this year, they're really, really, really important for everybody. And thanks a lot to Komut for supporting this season of the Broom Wagon. Super, super happy for that. And keep on staying tuned on my account. So komut.com slash user slash Broomwagon or just look for Broomwagon on Komut. And remember, if you want to get your free region just go on komu.com slash g like greenland and write broom as a code so you can actually get the code that let you unlock a free region for all your exploration in this christmas season and for the end of this year for now thanks a lot and i know probably i don't know i actually know that some people actually are listening to this podcast also from italy well december was the month where i published one of my articles talking about the bohemian border bash in this awesome magazine the name of it is alvento so if you are italian and if you can just oh if you can read italian just look for alvento on the google if it works today it had a bit of problems but look for alvento you will find actually the e-shop and buy the number 13 issue number 13 of the alvento magazine or if you're in italy just go to your newspaper shop and buy it there so and you will find actually my article there and tell me what you think I would say nothing else. I will talk to you with the new here. Ciao.